Welcome back to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs, where we talk all thing, all P's of pelvic health, pooping, peeing, pain, pleasure, physical activity, and personal development. I am your host, Dr. Jocelyn Conley, pelvic floor physical therapist, and today I am excited to introduce you to Candice Cook. Candice Cook is a clinical herbalist and shamanic healer in Phoenix, Arizona, who works with individuals who have found themselves stuck, stagnant, unfulfilled, or imbalanced, and unable to move forward with what they want to create. She specializes in sexuality and sexual function, spiritual development, mental and mood health, skin conditions, and detoxification. When she's not seeing clients, she likes to lead plant walks and nature adventures. She teaches workshops, and she also works at Desert Sage Herb Shop in Chandler, Arizona. In this episode, I'm super excited. This episode was so much fun to shoot. We talk about what clinical herbalism is and how she uses plants as an adjunct to someone's medical care or in substitute for different medications, as well as her journey with shamanic healing. Like, what is shamanic healing? What does she do when she is doing a shamanic healing session? And my experience with her through the shamanic healing part. We also cover other things that will be included in next episode because it was just so awesome. We talked for a longer period of time, so this will be broken down into two episodes, this being part one. If you'd like to reach Candice, you can email her at rebelherbal at gmail.com. You can visit her website, rebelherbal.com, or you can look her up on desertsageherbs.com. I believe all the stuff will be in the show, no- show notes. And if you'd like to work with Candice, she has a promo going on. Just use Vagina Doc for 20% off your first session. As with every session, as with all episodes, please keep in mind our disclaimer. The information used in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So let's get on with today's episode. It just helps to ground you, connect you with the earth again, connect you with your body and be in the present moment. So if things aren't flowing the way you want them to, black cohosh is a really great ally. So and I just happen to have it today. How many drops do I need to put Probably in? just three drops. Okay. And this one doesn't taste as good as the other one. Should I put it in my water? No, water? take it straight. <laughs> have some oh. fun with it. Oh. oh. Yeah, not that great, right? Whoa. What a segue. Yeah, that was a good segue. I guess we could just hold it right there. Yeah, so as you guys could hear what we're doing, or we're, I'm, my guest, Candace Cook, thank you, Candace, for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. um, Just gave me some stuff that I'm going to have her describe what she just gave me uh, so that I can do this interview. So thank you so much. (laughs) 
why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do other stuff and uh tell us your story how did you get into what you what you do all right so i'm candace i am a clinical herbalist and a shamanic healer and that means a lot of things um basically my goal as a healer and practitioner is to help people reconnect with their bodies and reconnect with nature and to live in a state of balance the way that we're intended to so i use alternative medicine is what is often called i don't really like that word because i feel like it it takes the kind of work that i do and makes it seem secondary or not official um and actually this type of work the herbalism and the shamanic healing is you know they're the most ancient systems of healing in the world and there's a reason that they're still around because they work you know um, so I, that's my goal is to help people reconnect with who they are, with their spirit, with the spirit of the earth, with their communities, using plant medicine, uh, like, you know, red raspberry for uterine cramps or black cohosh, like I just gave you to help you get grounded. Um, lots of different plant medicines that have been used for a hundred thousand years since Neanderthal times. There's evidence of Neanderthals actually using plants in their healing so how did i get into it my grandma used to feed us a lot of weeds <laughs> you know i grew up in virginia and like weeds 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 or, yeah like or, there's a there's a weed in virginia in the south called poke and the root is medicinal but it's actually a toxic plant and it's a starvation food so it has to be boiled three times before you can eat it to get the toxins out I grew up eating that. <laughs> so I feel like maybe that's why I am the way I am. <laughs> did, did she know? Did she, she knew, yeah. Everybody knew. Everybody ate it. You just had to boil it a few times to, like, leach out all of the residues, the toxins that are in there. But it's actually a Cherokee medicine. So in the Cherokee tradition, it's used for detoxification, purification. I use it in my practice for anyone who has swollen lymph nodes or um, even like lymphedema, any kind of lymphatic issues or lymphatic stagnation. Poke root helps to break that up. But we use it in small doses so that it's not toxic. (laughs) But it is one of those ones. So I think... You know, I think growing up with a family who was poor, you know, they learned how to survive off of what was around them. So I got exposed to eating a lot of weird stuff as a kid, like poke and turtle soup, right? Like we ate turtle soup as a kid. Um, What is that? (laughs) Turtle soup. Like boil a turtle? Yeah, boiled turtles. (laughs) Oh, I know, right? It's weird. I I can't say that I've eaten it as an adult, but I guess it's the same as like eating an alligator. It's the or a same lizard. as any of that. Yeah, it's all just food when you need it. So, I grew up with a family that was, you know, eating all this weird stuff and my grandma knew all of the weeds, what they did. She was always picking wildflowers and I guess I got that from her. And I didn't really put it all together until I guess in my late 20, no, late teens, you know, I've been on a spiritual path my whole life. So in my late teens, I started learning about witchcraft and using herbs for ritual and 
I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And then that evolved into using herbs for treating headaches and um, depression and anxiety, all of which I suffer from so or did. And so it kind of led me on this healing journey. Uh, fast forward a few years, I was living in Oregon. I was planning to go to law school. And while I was writing my law school applications, I had an epiphany, I can only call it one of those mystical experiences that you see in movies, like a Joan of Arc type of thing, where I was getting some herbs out of my cabinet to make a tea and I literally felt like the divine creative impulse of the universe was like, you're supposed to be an herbalist, Candace. <laughs> I know, it sounds so crazy. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> You know, did I really just have that come to me? And it wasn't in my own voice. You know, it wasn't my intuition. It was something else. And it just felt like I was opened up and that was poured in. And I was like, okay, but I want to be a lawyer and make like $300,000 a year and like do all of this highly cognitive stuff. But it was a calling and I couldn't deny it. So... Instead of going to law school, I moved from Oregon to Arizona and went to the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, which is in Tempe, and I studied with Joanne Sanchez. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible time of my life. I learned so much, and at the end of that, I became a clinical herbalist, um, and so I've been practicing ever since. I've interspersed my clinical herbalism with corporate work and sales, you know, I'd been kind of all over the place but so anyway backtracking to Oregon time my first herbal mentor her name is Candace Hunter she runs the real herbalism radio project and she kept telling me she thought that I was a shamanic healer because she is and I was like I don't know what that is it's weird like I'm just happy being an herbal witch kind of person and she's like no 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 I think I think you need to look into it and I kept blowing it off and after about seven years of her kind of dropping that in on me, she ended up uh, doing a really big favor for me. When I was hiking on the Appalachian Trail, she transcribed all of my journals so that my, my followers could read them in real time. And at the end, I was like, how can I ever repay you? Like, this is a huge favor. And she said, go be a shamanic healer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I had to. It was like a spiritual debt at that point, so I didn't have a choice. Uh, I found my teacher in Virginia. Her name was Maria Garakanian, and I studied with her, and I did a lot of self-study, and that all began, that was in 2014. Uh, so I did a lot of the work over the years, just kind of on my own, kind of in the closet. I was really in the closet about it because I didn't know how to explain it. And you know, you've seen the work, you know how it's kind of out there yes. <laughs> and hard to explain. And so I stayed in the closet about it. And then last year, before all this COVID stuff came, uh, I reached out to Candace again and I said, I need to help a friend who I think has been cursed and I don't feel like I have the skills. And she said, again, no, this is your work to do. And I was like, okay. So I reached out to my friend. I said, do you feel comfortable with me doing the work? We can't find another healer for you. And my mentor thinks that I'm supposed to do it. And she said, yeah, I totally trust you. And we had such a beautiful, profound experience that 
gave her so much uh, growth and forward momentum that I decided to come out about it. So I was still on social media at the time and I had put it out there. I was like, hey, everyone, I'm a shamanic healer. I've been doing this in the closet for a long time. If you're interested, let me know. And then immediately, you know, probably 50 people were like, what does this mean and how do I get an appointment? <laughs> and I was like, okay, universe, I'm listening. Clearly, this is work you want me to do. So then I had to figure out how to explain it. So I guess I'll tell the audience now what it is. Um, shamanic healing is... This They say, you know, it's hard to really know for sure, 100%, but from what I've read, it's the oldest spiritual tradition in the world. It's multicultural and it's intercultural. So pretty much every um, culture in the world has its own history with shamanic healing. And shamanic healing is a way that a healer, I think most people have the capacity to do this work if they're trained, but it's where... A healer uses either uh, a drum or a plant medicine or even just a really deep meditative state to enter into another dimension. And this is where it starts to sound kind of crazy. <laughs> you are entering into another dimension. The underworld usually is where I begin. And you're communicating with helping spirits. So other beings who exist in these other dimensions as our spirit guides as um, people who help us meet our animal totems or our plant totems. You know, a lot of times I see angels or goddesses or just beings that aren't anything that we would know of, you know. Um, so we, I will go into one of these other worlds, the underworld, the upper world, or the middle world, and they all have a different purpose. Um, communicate with the guides for or on behalf of whoever I'm working with so if we were doing a session I would go and say I'm here for Dr. Jocelyn and what does she need and they'll tell me where to go <laughs> so it they could send me to retrieve parts of your soul that have been fragmented during trauma they could send me to an animal that wants to reconnect with you um, they could send me to a plant who could be really beneficial for your healing. Sometimes I have to do things as strange as unravel curses or extract entities that become attached to us. So as we go through life, you know, just walking out in the world, every time somebody is having a negative thought, that's actually an entity that can become attached to someone. So we got to be really careful with our thoughts because we're constantly out there projecting all of our negativity everywhere. And it's not that hard to see like what the state of our world is. And I think a lot of that is because we don't think about the fact that our thoughts and our words actually do create an effect in this dimension. You know, a lot of people don't see that or they don't think it's true or they just never even thought of it. I mean... We're not taught that. <laughs> so, I don't know. Does that answer? Does that tell you a little bit about my story? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I don't want to skip over the clinical herbalist uh -huh. part because I think that's super cool and tangible for people to start with. Uh, I That is an area that I hear a lot of people that I work with, like, talk about. And I kind of, in, until recently, have just, like, Okay, whatever, whatever. But 
as I, and that's odd for me because I am literally, I don't think I was, I'm supposed to be, I mean, now I'm supposed to be a human, but I think I'm meant to be like in the woods somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always said, even before I got into just this, would I just want to plop, be plopped somewhere in the middle of the forest and find my way out without anything except maybe a little water and some matches. But um, maybe one, one, one time in the future. So that's really cool because a lot of people are just bogged down with all these medications that have a ton of side effects. Where are you? We're going to get, I'm going to have quite, so many questions to follow up with this, but where would someone find a clinical herbalist? Because I found you just because I was searching for shaman, shaman, and shaman, shaman, Shamanic. Shamanic. Shamanic healers. <laughs> yes. So, and it just so happened that you were a clinical herbalist. But, like, what if I didn't... How would someone start... Like, versus going to the Sprouts or mm-hmm. Whole Foods, yeah. how would they know to go to the place that you're at? So, I think going to a Sprouts or a Whole Foods or natural grocery store is always a great way to start because a lot of times the people in the... Um, vitamin sections of those places will know of other places where they can refer you out so like i work at desert sage herbs and chandler here and we're constantly getting people from these other stores who are like oh you need a real herbalist like go to desert sage so in order to find one there's several different things you can just google clinical herbalist in my city um you know the natural grocery stores are a good option the public libraries sometimes can be a really good option there too, but the American Herbalism Guild is probably the closest thing we have to, it's a peer-reviewed um, board where you have to get, you have to go through all of this rigorous <laughs> proof that you are a registered herbalist or that you should be a registered herbalist. But anyway, you can go to the AHG website and find clinical herbalists. That's not going to show you all of them because a lot of people don't have the time to go through everything it takes to get on to become an RH certified herbalist. Um, But really Google and asking around, you know, like I meet so many people who just accidentally saw something crazy about ayahuasca on YouTube. They weren't even looking for herbalism or shamanic healers. It's just something came across their path. And then they're like, whoa, I got to learn more about this. And I don't do ayahuasca shamanic work, but <laughs> it leads people to the next thing, you yeah. know? So I, I think just start simple, like herbalist in Boulder, Colorado, or wherever you are. Just start there. How do you take what a person, like a person's history and come up with what you recommend? Uh, yeah. So creating a protocol. Yeah. It's pretty similar to what a naturopathic doctor would do. I think this is something that really separates um, the natural medicine industry from the conventional medicine industry or field is that we spend like a long time with a client on the first visit. So my first visits are an hour and a half to two hours. And I've been to so many doctors, like medical doctors, where I go in and the nurse does all the work and then the doctor asks me one question and then they write like five prescriptions, you know, not saying that, you know, medical 
medicine doesn't have its place because I absolutely believe it does. But in order for me to write a formula for someone, I'll spend about an hour and a half with them face to face going over their entire medical history and asking really personal questions about not just what's causing this pain, but like, what are your relationships like? What was your childhood like? What food cravings do you have? You know, I want to know all of the details because I need to create a holistic version of this person. Like most people are never asked these questions. And I think a lot of my clients like coming to me because they know they can tell me the truth and they can tell me deep stuff that they can't tell anyone else. And all of that gives me a really good picture. So when I'm asking these questions and reading their intake form, I'm, cr- I'm not creating like a, an image of the person, but almost like a hologram is evolving. And then I can see, okay, this person has this kind of pain, but they also have these kinds of issues. That means this herb is going to be better for the for them than this herb, you know. So we really take herbal medicine. We take the herbs. We treat the person, the right herb for the right person at the right time. So someone might really need chamomile to help them go to sleep. Chamomile is specific for people who are, I feel like, childlike like just irritable, whiny, they probably need a hug, but they're going to resist the hug, you know, and there's like a cranky little toddler type of attitude, which I get regularly. So I'm not saying anything bad about that. But that person, yeah, (laughs) so you know. So that person might need chamomile, but there might be another time where you can't sleep because your muscles are so tense, right? And like, you're, you just got so much tension and maybe your thoughts are racing and you can't get your mind to shut down. So that person might need passion flower or a wood betony or vervain instead of the chamomile, right? So you can see how it's differential diagnostics. But then there's a lot of times where they might need both. So it's just really asking all the questions and coming up with a formula that's specific to what this person has going on and how can we address as many of the issues that they've got going on as possible with as little medicine as possible and taking into consideration if they're using medications like how how do we prevent contraindicated you know situations from arising so we reference the botanical safety handbook it's a huge volume that you know, it gets published, I think, every eight to 10 years, a new one comes out. So it's kind of like the, um, what is it called in mental health? DSM. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So we reference that to check and cross check for contraindications or, you know, it references all of the animal and human studies for all of the plants. So we don't want to make anything worse. And a lot of times, unfortunately, when people are taking multiple medications, those things contraindicate together. Right. You know? So then, like, I see so often, I'm like, what is this doctor thinking? Like, can I please call your doctor? I love it when doctors are willing to talk to me. Unfortunately, a lot of them are not. But I've seen from some of my clients who've been on, like, five or six medications, I'm like, oh, this doctor didn't check that you're on this and these two should not be taken together and this is probably why you're having migraines every day or this is why your heart is racing like crazy all the time because you're taking this and it clearly says 
Do not take it with this other drug. And you've been on it for two years, you know? So in a way, I get to be kind of like a, a detective, like a medical detective. It's like fun to be an investigator. But I can't legally say you need to stop this drug, you know? That's, that's a kind of a shitty part is that I can't, I'm bound because I'm not a licensed practitioner. So I don't have any legal ability to treat my clients as patients, mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of a challenge, but there's lots of ways to get around it. Sure. Ask for lots of permission, get waivers signed, you know? Please let me talk to your doctor kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I come up with what to give who. So cool. And that, that you, you're so right. It's like, how did, how do you speak to someone for five minutes and then give multiple medications that affect the entire person, mm -hmm. their entire being. It's ridiculous. That's really, really awesome. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to want to know more about this as well cool. as what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> so when you shared how you got into what you're doing now, you then talked about shamanic healing and so to you to you guys listening um i may or may not have seen candace myself and you might be scratching your head but maybe not surprised because i'm kind of out in left field but uh i had been just searching i'm kind of I, i've always had the ability to like feel things around me ever since i can remember just my earliest memories and I got to the point where there was multiple times where I'd just tell my friends like, hey, did you see that? Or do you feel that? Do you see that thing floating? Or do you see the ground moving? Or what do you do? Like, what do you, when you're dreaming, what happens? <laughs> and I got to the point where every time my, the, the person on the receiving end, they were just like, I don't see what you're seeing. And no, I don't, I'm not a movie director in my sleep. <laughs> And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of a, a freak, so I'm just not going to pay attention to this stuff. So I buried it for a long time, and then I got into myofascial release, which is just a type of body work, and in order to really, I mean, to do your best work, you have to be present and grounded yourself, and um, I started just doing things to be more present, and I... It was overwhelming of all the things that were happening to me. And I'm like, what is this I'm feeling? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember from whenever I was a kid and even a teenager, all of the experiencing experiences that I would have. And I started listening to that again. And so basically, Candace, I'm like, I can't just be, I, I need help navigating this, this stuff. And then there were some... Uh, unresolved things from my childhood that keep coming up uh and hold I guess holding me back from making decisions and so I uh had this experience in Texas I went on this table it was like the sensory deprivation table and I swear to you I mean it was the coolest feeling I felt like I you guys are gonna think I'm nuts and that's okay because I kind of am and I'm cool with that <laughs> But um, it was as if 
I was ascending into, and I could see the whole, like, I could see my future, but it was all symbolic, and it was also so physical, and so once I was on the flight back from Texas back to Arizona, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start looking for someone, and so there was a bunch of people that I was looking through, and it was kind of tricky to figure out how to work with anyone, and you had popped up and popped up a couple times, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to schedule a call, so... Before our session, so I scheduled a call and I'm like, my music was really loud. And you're like, are you having a party or something? (laughs) (laughs) And I had Alexa on in my room and I had Bluetooth. It was, it was kind of a mess. But (laughs) at this point, uh, this, I had been treating, been treated as a, as a patient. And then I was in a week of training. So you get a lot of treatment at that point. And so I was going through a major healing crisis. Mm-hmm. I talk about healing crises a lot with the people that I work with because after like a major release happens in their body, they can actually feel worse. They can feel physic not it's not typically their symptoms. It's something else. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's really hard to describe and then emotionally their 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 emotions are volatile. It could be anger, it could be sadness, it could be all over the place. And and so uh, I was going through that and it was it was a lot. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this this soul retrieval. Or I I dumped that and you're like, I think you're ready. Let's let's schedule. And so we finally scheduled and you mentioned when you're introducing shamanic healing, you go to the underworld, the overworld or the upper world and the middle world. Let's start there. What are these different worlds that you travel to? And what do you see? What do you feel? Like, is it something tangible? Like, for me, I feel things. And like today, when I'm really tuned in to who I'm with, like I see things like the ground shift. Mm -hmm. It's very subtle. I could see like, I'm starting to see kind of like colors with my eyes open. Mm -hmm. But when my eyes are closed, it's a little bit more intense. So that's more, that's what I see. What is in the underworld, upper world, and middle world? <laughs> that's a really great question and kind of challenging to answer because I'm sure it's different for everyone. But usually I access the underworld by, you know, I, I drum and I drum at a tempo that kind of puts you into a theta brainwave state pretty quickly. And now I'm at a point, having done it for six years, where almost as soon as I start drumming, I'm in on my way down into the underworld. It doesn't take that much anymore. But it's different for most people. So I begin and I see like I'm in a forest. And then I crawl into a hole in the ground, into a tree. And I walk down like a staircase under a tree into a whole other world. Um, once I am done walking down and I'm actually in the underworld, what I see, it's beautiful. It's the colors are so vivid. The only thing that I know how to describe it, that I know how to compare it to is like an acid trip. (laughs) I don't know. There's nothing else I've done in my human life besides psychedelics that's even remotely similar. Um, so if you've ever done that, then 
you can have sort of an idea, but there's more control. So it's a lucid, I'm lucid in it and I know what I'm doing. Um, so I go down, it's really beautiful colors and there's a, a big tree right there for me. There's a river to the right is east and to the west is, or to the left is west for me. Those are my directions in the underworld. And my primary animal totem or power animal is a raccoon. And so usually when I get down there, raccoon is there. Or it could be a, another one of my animal totems. We all have a lot. Uh, it's the belief of most shamanic practitioners and shamans that when you're born, you're born with your family, but you're also born with a set of spirits who are there to protect you and help you on your path. And little kids, I believe, see them. But we're taught like, oh, your imaginary friend isn't real. Oh, there's nothing in the closet. There's nothing under your bed. So we're taught to shut that part of our being down. It's a part of our brain, I believe, that helps us to see that. And we're taught to shut that down. And, you know, I could go on a tangent about fluoride and the pineal gland and all that stuff. But I'll save that for next time. <laughs> um, so I go down and I see all of these things. And I have a man who appears often and he's got blue skin and someone told me that when I was telling them about this they said it was like that movie Avatar which I haven't seen so I'm like well I guess so and so he's blue and he usually is like the conductor so I'll meet him and he's like go this way go this way or one of the animals shows up or I'll get into the river and I have a very human experience except it's just not normal human experience. I can feel the water on my skin. I can feel hugging the animals and hugging my guides. I can smell flowers. I can feel the bark of the tree under my hand if I'm climbing the tree. Uh, the weird part is that you can actually merge with your power animals. And it's exactly what it sounds like. I will jump into their body basically and that's where the sensations are different because I'm seeing life from the point of view of a raccoon or a rattlesnake or an elk or a wolf or whatever animal I'm merging with and the reason you would merge with an animal is to be able to use their powers in a different way um, so that's the underworld the upper world for me is more of like heavenly I guess so the underworld is not it's not like hell you know it's, I think people might think that it's like this Hades thing the underworld is just where things that are deeply unconscious or subconscious for us they're easier to access in the underworld it's just where our shadow lives you know but it doesn't always have to be bad the shadow is not bad it's just usually the parts of ourselves that we reject so if I'm doing a curse unraveling or trying to find soul parts that have been fragmented from trauma that someone's repressed, I'm going into the underworld. When I go into the upper world, it's more for like, I need high level guidance. What am I doing with my life? You know, that kind of guidance. Or what is this client of mine doing with their life? They don't know what their path is. Or they're feeling themselves wake up to healing abilities. Or I just need some help with communication, you know, messages. A lot of that stuff is what's happening for me in the upper world. And it's very much an upper world. It's, 
I have to pierce through like a membrane between the worlds to get there. I feel like I'm talking in a cartoon. Cartoon, like <laughs> when I talk about it out loud, I get a little shy and nervous because I know it sounds so wild, but it's true and it works. <laughs> so my upper world is, I, I pierce through this membrane to get up there, and the ground is clouds for me, and like any structures, like one of my. My primary spirit guide is a goddess, Asherah, who lives up there. And she lives in a castle that's, like, so tall that there's clouds up to the walls on her castle, you know. Um, for me, another one of my guides is Jesus, the same Jesus that everyone knows of. Um, but I call him Yeshua, and he lives in the upper world. And I always go to him when either myself or my clients need help with communication or speaking up. Um a penguin lives up there. <laughs> the upper world's pretty wild. I spend most of my time in the upper world. I go to the upper world for very specific things. The middle world is a little bit more challenging for me to describe because it's kind of like being in this human dimension at the same time as being in another one. So it feels a little less safe for me. Like the work that I do in the middle world is... I, I feel like I have to be more protected in the middle world because it's, I don't know, it's almost like I could easily be snatched up out of there because I'm here, but I'm there too. I don't really know how else to explain that. <laughs> Maybe after the summer I'll be able to explain it. Um, even though I've been doing this for a while, I'm going to do three weeks with my original teacher in Texas. I'm going to Texas too. So I'm going to do three weeks with her, six days a week. And then I'll come back and maybe I'll be able to explain these things a little bit better. So the middle world, what would you go there for? Uh, so I went to the middle world most recently because I had a friend who is a client also who I really felt she had some kind of a curse on her. And... I didn't really know what to do about it, but I went there and I was able to find this curse and its origins. And it turned out to be something from, you know, this lifetime, but it had origins that were way before. So I was able to go back to her early childhood and find out the origin of the curse in this lifetime and then go back and do work. So sometimes, here's another disclaimer too, sometimes in these other worlds, especially the middle world, there's potential for it to be violent, um, but it's all in your mind, so it's right. not actual violence. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes if someone has caused a really severe trauma, violated someone else or inflicted incredible pain, whether they knew it or not, Sometimes the only way that my guides have taught me to undo it is retribution. So with this particular curse, I had to set this guy on fire, <laughs> the guy who did the curse. And he was a religious leader like hundreds of years ago was where it started. And he was cursing women who he was seeing had power healing powers like magical powers or what he perceived to be so he was cursing them to not be able to use it hello patriarchy you know like 
throughout history, if you're a witch, you're bad. So that's the kind of thing I do in the middle world. Like things that are just a little bit more risky. Does that answer? Yeah. So you men you you probably you see people that have have backgrounds, traumas. Can you take care of everything in one session? Or is there a lot that needs done? That's a great question. I think sometimes people think I can do everything in one session or that I'm a psychic and I'm not. So I just want to tell everyone that too. I'm not a psychic and I can't see your future. Um, Normally, it takes multiple sessions. But I think that from one, you know, my shamanic clients, our first session is two hours and we spend the first hour talking and the second hour doing the journeying work and following up with that. So I can usually get a good idea of what needs to happen but a lot of times there's other work that the person has to do so if there's a really severe trauma the guides might say okay you need to be you need to use this plant for a while or you need to do this kind of meditation for a while because we need to clear some of that out before we can go deeper so like any other kind of you know healing work there are definitely layers to it and you, there's always the ability to go deeper and deeper into it. Um, that being said, though, I definitely have clients that I see them one time and then I hear from them and they're like, wow, so much has shifted. I can't even believe it. Or maybe someone comes and they're not really trying to work anything out, like anything, any major traumas that are affecting their life. They might just feel like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. You know, they, they might be more, um, I guess what you would call, not easy clients, that doesn't seem fair, but they're not in as much pain, right? So if someone comes in, they're not in as much pain, I'll tell them, here's all of the information that I've gotten for you. And you can just let me know when you want to do this again, right? Yeah. But a lot of times I'm like, we should probably follow up in three or four weeks and see. And if you don't want to do a full session, just text me and let me know how it's going. But I think more sessions is better if that is, if you're really trying to heal something or remove a block. You know, I definitely have clients that I've seen every week for months Mm -hmm. and it's just constantly going deeper and deeper and deeper. And what is also really cool is that I'm uncovering all of these healing powers within my clients, you know, like so many people have latent healing abilities and they just don't believe it or they don't, they've never thought of themselves that way. You know, so that's a really beautiful thing about shamanic work is that I think it's attracting people who need to heal their traumas or release their traumas so that they can go and be healers themselves, whether they're shamanic healers or herbal healers or pelvic doctors or, you know, whatever it is. So not to put you on the spot, (laughs) but would I be considered an easier client? No. So just so you guys know, I'm, I'm kind of open on my podcast, although I did delete an old just personal episode for no reason, just I would rather like redo it. But um, I, uh, oh, so I'm one of those people. I went to her and um, I, like from when I saw you to after, like within like a couple weeks, I mean, so much 
changed. Yeah, so much happened. Here I am, 20, not, I'm not quite 29 yet, but 28 years of just binging on sugar and chocolate and was able to cut it out, like, without any pain or suffering. Yeah. Other things, I should have really journaled about this because now I start tonight. <laughs> yeah, I there was a, there was other things that really just emerged at that point, and from the first time I saw you to the second time, just big difference. And even from now when I see you compared to when I saw you, what was it like three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm still in the middle of a major healing crisis, but mm-hmm. I I feel just different but um you mentioned people you being able to help people find their own healing powers I have I have a, a a suspicion in that within my own family my dad's side I feel that that side of my family had some sort of magical powers and they didn't know what it was and it hurt them Mm -hmm. because I can I can I can honestly say that I thought I was crazy for a long time and if I were to actually tell someone that like tell a a traditional western medicine as we're western medicine Mm -hmm. and a physician that I was what the things that I was seeing they would have they would have tried to medicate me Mm -hmm. And another one is I would tear my hands apart. Like there was never a time my thumb wasn't ripped open and my hands hurt so badly. And now thumbs, I don't pick at them. I don't self-mutilate. And I, I, I would have been medicated with like an SSRI or something like that. And, and so I do believe that when you have that, I guess, sensitivity to whatever we want to call it, it can really, it can really elevate you, but can it also be a lot. So seeing someone like you would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, there was something else. Oh, I have to share this. Um, I... So before I saw Candace, I was tracking my dreams. I swear my my dreams are like I could be a I could be a movie like I could write for movies because they're so vivid and crazy. And so I started tracking my dreams. But the time that the day before I went for my soul retrieval, um, I just couldn't quite remember. And I was like, crap, I remembered it. And I was and I, and I just said, oh, maybe it'll come to me. And then she tells me what she experienced in my soul retrieval. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what I was looking for. So it, the, the dream before, there was, a, there was a snake in my dream. And I was trying to figure out if it was a rattlesnake or if it was a regular snake. And I am ter- ter- well, I at least was terrified of snakes that anytime I've seen a snake, I've gone the opposite direction, not towards it. And so when she had said snake, I rem- I had the flashback in my dream, like me digging it for it, <laughs> for the snake. And so then I leave and I go on a walk just down the street. And what do you know? What do I see? A snake. And I've never seen a snake like not on a hike. Like it's always been in a hike. And this was just a walk around 
just where I live. On the street or the sidewalk. Like yeah, it was it was right where like a lot of traffic is. So that was pretty wild. And um, yeah, I just. I had an experience like that yesterday with a client. Um, so I was meeting with a new client, and I came back, and it was a. It wasn't exactly a snake. It was more like a serpent, like a cobra type of snake. I was like, what is up with all the snakes coming to my clients? And I told her, I was like, look, your power animal is this giant, like, serpent, like an underwater snake, you know? And she was like, what? And she showed me all these paintings she'd been doing of snakes and serpents. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay, whatever it is, it's working, you know? Some people might, so... Sasha, who you met earlier, she's like, aren't snakes bad? And I thought that at first, too. So how do you know, like, what's, I guess, good and bad, is it? Yeah, so snakes are considered bad only because of the Bible and the Garden of Evil. Or the Garden of Eden. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was totally an accident. The Garden of Eden, you know, and we're taught that the serpent came and tempted the the first humans and that because of that temptation god struck it down and said you can never walk again you have to crawl around on your belly so that's the origin of why snakes are bad now in some cultures snakes and serpents have their own mythology but in many many cultures serpents and snakes are signs of great power and as a shamanic practitioner, I don't believe that any animal itself is good or bad. Just like people, they have choices, you know? They can, if a, if a snake were to show up in a journey for someone and it was doing something horrible to that person, like eating them or strangling them or whatever, that would have a different meaning than if snake or serpent showed up and said, hey, I'm here to be your ally. Like, I'm here to teach you something, you know? So it's all about the message that they come with. And when I'm talking to animals on these journeys, sometimes they use a voice and sometimes it's just like telepathic communication. I'm just picking up on what they mean. I've not, I've not had an animal come in and do something bad to a person in a journey. I myself have been eaten by a plant I was eaten and digested by an echinacea plant in a journey when I very first was getting started. And I asked my teacher, I said, uh, this, this plant ate me and I like, it digested me and I came out the roots into the ground and she's like, oh, you were initiated. That plant initiated you. So sometimes violent things like that can be an initiation as well. But there is no good or bad when it comes to animals. It's just, unfortunately, a myth that our society perpetuates. Yeah. That is it for part one of this episode. Be sure to subscribe to get notified when part two drops in one week next Sunday. Same time, same place. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.